Hi, everybody. It's Devan Molyneux from Freedom Aid Radio. I have, on the very lengthy, nay, international line, Kai Grosner, who is a, uh, a fine professional in uh, Finland, uh, who has written an article which caught my eye, nay, both of them, called The Bankrupt Finnish Welfare State. Now, why should we be interested in Finland? Well, first of all, Monty Python sung about it, which is not unimportant. But secondly, uh, it is held up as a paragon of socialist paradise. So people, particularly on the left, the right doesn't like it so much because it's a little less imperialistic than they prefer, but on the left it's held up as quite the model of what a positive government involvement in the economy can do. And uh, Kai, you've uh, written about this uh, sort of topic. Uh, I know that you're not putting yourself forward as an expert on the uh, Finnish state-slash-private sector economic shenanigans, and neither am I, but I think you have some very interesting arguments in your article, and I was wondering if you could... uh, uh, just talk a little bit about what drove you to write the article, uh, a little bit about what's in the article and what sort of reception you've got. Yeah, well, thank you, Stefan, for that kind introduction. Uh, it's an honor to be, be on your show. I've listened to many of your interviews, and uh, <laughs> it feels a bit surreal, actually, to, to be on here. Uh, regarding the article, the reason for writing it, I've, I had been thinking about it for some time. Uh, I had written one article on Mises once before. And uh, with the healthcare debate in the U.S. Uh, intensifying with Obamacare and a challenge to it, I thought that it could be relevant to to point out that all the great examples pointed to by leftists are not always that great. Uh, I had already begun uh, writing it when uh, when Newsweek made it uh, uh, declared Finland to be the greatest country in the world to live in. So. I thought, well, now I really have to finish it and, and, and get it to me to see if they want to publish it. Uh, I was really surprised, uh, to be honest, uh, by the reaction I, I, I've got. Uh, I would have thought that nobody would really have noticed it, but uh, I have got very much uh, quite a lot of feedback, uh, both positive and negative, obviously, and uh, I hear that uh, Free Talk Radio mentioned it in, a, in a, one of their podcasts, and so did uh, the international forecaster in one of its uh, news bulletins. Uh, why I wanted to write it was that I, the things that I write, I've been thinking about them for a long time, and I'm far from alone in thinking them. Uh, and since uh, it is the, the educational system and the healthcare system of Finland, which are usually uh, the main elements uh, the main talking points when promoting Finland, I thought I should uh, say a thing or two about them. And mind you, I, I didn't even write, I didn't say very strongly that we should privatize uh, healthcare and we should privatize education. We just pointed out some of the structural problems uh, of the current systems and uh, that they could be better even if they would remain in a, in a government regime. Right. If I remember rightly, what you talked about in terms of the educational system, there were a number of problems. One, that it was entirely politically or largely politically motivated to dump all of these, what is it, dozens of colleges and dozens of universities in a population of a little over five million, that it results in an excessive overtraining of people in really nebulous fields like art history and religious theory and, dare I say, history as a history major myself, but but jobs (laughs) without a strong career path. Uh, and a corresponding, and so the unemployment among the highly educated is very high, and there's a corresponding under uh, supply of people in the trades, you know, carpenters, electricians, and plumbers, and so on. Uh, is that a fair assessment of what you were talking about? 
Uh, yes, it is. And uh, the sort of trade union for um, highly educated people, uh, both last year and, and this year, uh, said publicly that uh, unemployment among higher educated people, more educated people, is reaching record levels. And it's no coincidence why it is like that. We have, as I said, we have 20 universities and 27 polytechnics, which uh, in Finland are basically the same, or at least that is why what uh, politicians are trying to make them. Uh, and also it's been, uh, if not an official uh, government policy, then uh, a well-known goal uh, on, on part of the state and on many others to have as many uh, educated people uh, as possible. And with educated, you mean uh, people who went to universities or, or polytechnics. Uh, 60%, 70%. Uh, has been touted as, as a target. We, we, we want to, have, to have at least to have at least seventy percent of the population going through the university. Uh, and I that just, strikes sorry, just me wanted to, to, to mention this is very typical of status thinking. Uh, status thinking is all a push economy. And, and Obama, I think, has the same goal of getting like some some percentage. I think it's twenty five percent of people having college degrees within a couple of years, which is ridiculous because it should be a pull market. In other words, there should be a demand for certain people with certain kinds of education, and that should stimulate the supply. I mean, there's a you don't just build all these cars and push them out on the road. You see what sort of market demand there is for cars and try and build to that. But this is very much a push economy. Like if we just have people coming off the conveyor belt of education, whammo, magically our economy is going to become strong and healthy. But it's without the market demand, it's all just nonsense. Yeah, that's, that's exactly true. Uh, and, I, and that's typical also of sort of central planning, uh, in this case, in education, that it doesn't matter uh, what degree they get in, in what, what they major in, as long as they major in something at the university, and we can say that we have had dozens of many uh, uh, doctorates or, or master's degrees or bachelors this year. Uh, it, nobody cares what they study and if they will get a job when, once they're done. And of course, since it is free or we don't have tuition fees in Finland, uh, many go for this. Uh, but one I'm sorry, point it's not just free, but it's also subsidized. Uh, there was 400, uh, uh, was it, I'm sorry, krono over Finland? We have euros. Euros. Sorry, yeah, of course, euros now. But it's 400 euros you get paid per month to go to school, and the schools are all paid for by, well, national debt and, and taxpayers and so on. So you're actually subsidized. And, of course, when the job market for intelligent uh, people seems to be rather scant and you get paid to go to school and Frankly, going to school is a lot more fun for the most part than it's going to work. There is a great temptation to take that track, to just stay on the government educational teat, so to speak, and just keep sucking until the collapse hits or something. Yeah, that's true. I mean, about the figures go, the, the, when you when you go to school, you get a student grant. I think that they, they raised it a bit, but I think it's about 250, and then you get a an, an, uh, housing allowance, so you get up to 80% of your rent paid, uh, or you, you get that subsidized from, from the government up into a certain euro limit. So if you get, if you max out that, it's, it's a bit more than uh, 400 euros a month. And that is, of course, in addition to subsidized lunches and, and the government's not subsidized, but guaranteed loans, uh, low rates and so on and so forth. Uh, but, uh, what really, what, uh, one thing that is often overlooked when, which I tried to, bring up every now and again is that 
uh, when you have a even from the government and from the state and through the whole society this push for for having people going to university isn't that kind of a slap in the face of everyone who's chosen uh, to educate himself within the trades i mean isn't that saying to all people who who don't have university degrees that you are slackers or uh, you are not as productive you are less you're worth less than uh, than people who who get the degrees I mean, it's such a strange uh, contradiction in a country that is very egalitarian in all other respects, like uh, most uh, Nordic countries are. We're very aware of that the fact that everyone is equal and everyone has an equal value. That is, uh, you can see that in everything, but but not here. Here is right. is the complete opposite. Well, I think I mean I think that comes out of a number of factors. The first and to me most blatant one is that. Young people who are out of high school vote, and so if you give them subsidized education and free room and board and, and free meals, and so if you take over from mom and dad, a lot of them will be kind of happy because it's a lot more fun than – I mean, a career is, is great fun, and I had a very enjoyable and I think somewhat successful career, but the first couple of years of any career suck. I mean, they just suck. I mean, the first couple of years of being a doctor suck because you're up for 30 hours straight. The first couple of years of being a lawyer suck because you're articling and you're just there for 80 hours a week. Uh, the payoff in a career tends to be down the road. And so people who want to have a gravy train called sitting in a library and typing into a notebook and reading books and going to classes and playing hacky sack on the lawn in the summer, I mean, they would love, they love all of that stuff, so they'll vote for that kind of stuff. I think the other factor is that uh, universities uh, shape the thinkers, particularly the intellectuals of the coming generation. And so the government wants to pay as much money into the uh, educational system to make sure that the educational system never turns against the government, never shows the immorality and inefficiency at the core of status thinking. So they shower all of these goodies on the intellectual classes to make sure that the intellectual classes won't ever criticize the state. And they'll criticize it a little bit here and there, like these policies or that policies or this leader or that leader. But they won't go for the real core of, of the morality and inefficiency of the state. So I think it serves everyone um, except for the people in school for the long run and the people who have to pay for it either presently or down the road. Yeah, that is that is correct. Uh, I agree with you on that one. And when you start, the more you think about it... Uh, the, the easier it is to to think up think up reasons why the system is not good, and if, if you go to the standard uh, argument for free education, or at least tuition fee less uh, education, it is that if it would cost money, then only the rich would get educated. But that's a that's a sort of strong argument because. If, if, if we go all out and privatize education, then it would be in the interest of the universities to get hold of the best and the brightest. And they would scout uh, intellectual and academic talent the same way uh, headhunting companies uh, scout for, for talented employees or sports teams ta- scout for talented uh, athletes. Same, same rule would apply. Yeah, I just uh, wanted to reiterate that my um, uh, my father is a is a geologist and he got his degree uh, partly subsidized by the company that he ended up working for, as it turns out, for a good good portion of his career. And what happened? This was very much a poor economy. They needed a geologist uh, to to have his particular specialization, 
And so they subsidized his education in return for a work commitment after graduation, which meant that he knew that he had a job. He knew that he was getting educated in something that was economically relevant to the future. And uh, this probably would not have been the case if he was into, uh, you know, Mayan architecture or basket, basket weaving PhDs. But it did, it did uh, occur because there was a pull economy uh, requiring this kind of talent. So the same thing would happen with people who had a talent for medicine. They would be subsidized. You make so much money as a professional that people will loan you, people will advance you the money uh, in a much cheaper way uh, than, than uh, if, if, because what happens here, of course, is that, as you, as you pointed out, uh, free, quote, free education is simply a transfer of wealth and money from the poor to the wealthier because it's the poorer who tend not to go to college and certainly the less intelligent tend not to go to college. So taxing those people to subsidize the funzy book-reading lifestyle of the rich and talented just seems like a, a socialism from the rich to the poor we can at least understand from an egalitarian standpoint, but from the poor to the rich, or the, from the less able to the more able, just seems like a complete mutation of, an, of, of a, a bad idea to begin with. Yeah, that's always what happens when, uh, when you have central planning in any area. It turns into a complete circus, and even those who, who advocated it don't understand what happened. But the sorry thing is with that is that even when they're confronted with these obvious injustices, they, they don't care because they are so committed to the idea that even if it's demonstrably false and leads to the very opposite uh, than what it was intended to, uh, to lead to, they, they don't care because the idea is more important than the results. Yeah, or the existing and, flow and, of money is more important than the efficient mm -hmm. flow of money, for sure. Now, yeah, I'd like to sort of make sure that we have a chance to, to drop into uh, healthcare because that's, of course, okay. a very big topic for the U.S. Now, uh, in our conversation before this show, you said, and I, I agree with you, that um, this is not to, uh, you know, take a long, slow mental dump on Finland as a whole. Finland is a great country. I live in Canada. Canada, you know, as far as tax farms go, this is one of the best. Uh, I would rather have universal health care than uh, imperialistic wars. Um, even if the healthcare is poor, it's still better than actually disassembling people uh, through bombs and rockets and so on. So I just sort of wanted to point out that although we are uh, taking a very critical view towards uh, the Finnish state and its activities, this is not meant to say that uh, you know, I would rather go and live in Uganda or something, right? I mean, I just wanted to sort of point that out ahead of time. These are criti uh, criticisms of status policies, not of the society as a whole. I just wanted to make sure we got that caveat in there because... Uh, whenever I put these kinds of things out, you know, or criticize Canada or criticize Finland or criticize the United States, people are like, oh, so you'd rather live in Somalia, would you? It's like, well, no, I'm, I'm very white and uh, I burn easily. And I think I'm getting a sunburn even from these lights. So uh, I just wanted to point that out before we dove into healthcare. But perhaps you'd like to talk a little bit about, because I didn't quite follow. It's all municipal, so there's no universal standard of healthcare. I wonder if you could talk a bit more about that. Yeah, it's a, a peculiar system. We don't have a state-run uh, uh, healthcare system like you perhaps would expect when you talk about universal healthcare and certainly is what Obama seems to be advocating in, in the U.S. Uh, we have many services that are mandated to the municipalities. They, they have given, been given a list of services that they are, they are forced to provide or they have to provide to, to, their, to the citizens. And uh, the funding, in most cases, comes from the state. Uh, when it comes to schools, 
and especially uh, healthcare, is the case that uh, informally it's the responsibility of the municipalities to make sure that healthcare services and educational services are available to the citizens. But uh, Finland still has very there are several hundred municipalities, and most of them, and many of them are very small, either geographically or uh, they don't have many people in them. So we can't have a hospital in every municipality, which then has led to uh, the creation of, of healthcare districts, which consist of several municipalities with uh, one central, with one hospital in one of the municipalities, and then there are health centers uh, in the others, or in some cases there's nothing. But uh, the people who live in the, in the certain group of municipalities belonging to, to one district are then served by that district's hospital, and um, and health uh, health centers and it, the, again uh, the point of this is or the aim is that only pe- the people who live within the district use that district's services which of course creates uh, its own administrative problem obviously if you are if you fall ill uh, in, you have an emergency or something like that you are entitled to treatment but you're not supposed to to utilize uh, the services of another district are more than absolutely necessary. I remember you can again with this. Uh, I got some heat for this because people didn't really understand what I'm trying to say. Uh, and I had uh, just one anecdote in my article to show what kind of situations this system like this produces. And they said, oh, "Well, that's anecdotal. You, you can't really prove anything." With that I agree. Uh, you can give. I can list tens if not hundreds of anecdotes uh, illustrating the problems with uh, the system we have. Um, I have many personal experiences, but that's not the point. Uh, the point is that when you have a system like such as this, it inevitably leads to ridiculous problems over and over and over and over again. And uh, the fact is that even when they are they are united together, very few districts can afford to, keep, uh, to provide uh, services which are up to, to, to the government set standards, so they are they need money anyway, and they get money from from the government, so the government basically runs it, but it just formulates on on the municipalities. Right, right, and I think all of these uh, seems to have combined uh, one of the in, into the a similar kind of uh, problem with deficit spending and national debts, as is maybe not as severe, but as is faced by a lot of the uh, EU. Countries and it's interesting. It just sort of reminded me that that in Atlas Shrugged, I think Ayn Rand 60 years ago predicted that it was going to be Europe before North America that hit the crunch. But uh, it seems to be somewhat accurate, though not perfectly. But one of the criticisms, of course, of of statist uh, philosophies of statist approaches is that the government always has great incentive to increase spending because that's how it buys more votes, but almost no incentive to cut spending because the benefits that come from cutting spending accrue years down the road in tiny dribs and drabs to taxpayers scattered all over the country. So if they cut some government department, you might get $100 off your tax bill two or three years from now, whereas when you cut a department, everybody who works for that department, he, you know, they, they cry out like howl the monkeys in a blender uh, to, to keep their jobs. So uh, this criticism seems to be appropriate levels at Finland, where you say that the national debt and uh, increases in the deficits have been quite alarming, particularly over the last nine or ten years? Yeah, and uh, just uh, 
few weeks ago, or was it even this week, uh, the Speaker of, of our Parliament blasted the uh, present uh, second minister, minister of Finance. Uh, it, it looks like uh, the Finnish national debt will hit an all-time record very soon. Or it will happen, it's just a matter of time. So it, it's not looking good. Uh, and that's the, and let's go, go back to, to, to the Finnish system just for a second, uh, the, the municipal system just a second for it, because that is that was the one thing that some libertarians uh, tried to criticize me for, because they, uh, they sort of imply that, well, since I'm against that, I would prefer a state-run system and, uh, that would be equal to be in favor of one world government, which is a rather stupid argument. No offense to anyone, but uh, it is a classic uh, um, misunderstanding of, of the real issue. It's not, you know, how our uh, how our leaders are elected or how uh, a government is set up. It's how much it governs. That is the question. So. Uh, a very uh, sort of liber- libertarian tyrant is much much better than a democratic government uh, like the one Obama uh, represents. And it, when it comes to this uh, healthcare system in Finland, I would much rather have it if it if it has to be universal healthcare. I would much rather have it completely state-run, when every hospital and health center is run and, and funded by the central state, because that would eliminate layers and layers of bureaucracy and bureaucrats. Is that what we, what we have anyway? So this way we would get rid of all that. So and that would be uh, it would be more efficient and more, more cheaper. And uh, it, it does not mean I'm in favor of, of one big uh, government. It just means that when you have municipalities within a central state that are completely uh, dependent on government, central government funding, then they don't serve the purpose they are supposed to serve, uh, i.e. acting as independent political uh, areas. They don't do that. It's just, uh, it's just a scam, basically. It's an illusion. And it's a dangerous illusion, an illusion that many, many libertarians uh, fall for, because they, they confuse that with the way Europe was in the 19th century when it was very, very decentralized and split up in many small city-states. That was a good thing. But then it was, the split was on the national level. There was no EU then. There was no super state. So that was a good thing. But to have to divide a central state, which still controls and funds every, everything, into smaller and smaller uh, administrative areas, which does nothing but add bureaucracy and, and bureaucrats, then that's not a good thing, and that's not something a libertarian should advocate. Yeah, no, uh, people do get confused by that argument. Uh, I, I think it's not a tough argument to follow. It's like if I'm grabbed and thrown in a van with a potato sack over my head, driven to a dark basement, lashed to a chair, and there's a swinging light bulb over my head, and the guy says, uh, uh, would you like me to cut off one finger or two fingers? And I say, I'd really like you to only cut off one finger. That doesn't mean that I want to have one finger cut off. It just means that given the choice between one fingers and two fingers, I'll take the one. But that doesn't mean that I'm a big fan of having fingers cut off. So, yeah, you can talk about improvements within a status system without agreeing with the status system as a whole. I mean, 
Uh, anyway, that's an argument, uh, perhaps for another time, but I, I quite follow you, though I would caution you, uh, I did a, um, an interview on the Canadian healthcare system, which you might want to have a look at, where uh, your efficiency ideas may not be followed as much as you like. Um, the, the government is not immune from economic uh, realities, but it does tend to be pretty good at keeping them at bay with uh, the blood, sweat, toil, and tears of the unborn generations of the future through debt. But uh, universal health care is just one of these words or these phrases that is used because it's easier than describing the real thing. So in the U.S., you're limited by access due to money, perhaps. Uh, in Canada, you're limited by access simply due to waiting lists. So uh, there is no universal health care system in Canada. We have waiting lists of one to two years for some pretty important operations. So it's not universal and it's not available. Uh, what happens when you get larger control? over the healthcare system is that there's much less regional responsiveness. So in order to control the healthcare costs in Canada in the 1990s, the government severely restricted the number of uh, doctors who were a number of medical school place and placements that were available because, of course, that saves the money fairly quickly. Uh, and uh, then down the road, of course, by the time the problem shows up, all those people are out of power and it's now going to take another five or ten years to turn it around, even if they turn it around tomorrow. So there's pluses and minuses to either. I can certainly understand that looking from a fragmented municipal standpoint, the uh, sort of federal healthcare system must look pretty good, but it, it also has its downsides from, from this end of the uh, spectrum. I don't have any illusions about uh, the state-run system being, being very good. Now, obviously, it would be bad, but uh, the municipal system might work if the municipalities were actually independent as they are supposed to be but as long as they are not then it will not it will only produce problems and, and extra bureaucracy obviously central planning will, will be bad yeah no for sure the one thing that i was quite encouraged is that uh, you said at the end of your article the degree to which the finnish people are quite keen on a reduction in, in government. Uh, you, you mentioned that unemployment of 8 to 9 percent is considered natural. Unemployment statistics, have, as you know, I'm sure, are really tricky because they count people employed by the government pushing paper back and forth for no purpose other than to drain the treasury. Uh, they count those people as employed because, or they count people in make-work government projects as employed or they count extra people hired because of restrictions on labor through government unions as employed. I would love to, I don't know if you know any statistics like this, but I would really love one day to see somebody go through all of these <laughs> employment statistics and, and carve out a significant proportion of government workers and carve out those who gained additional jobs through government spending even outside the economy, like the military-industrial complex. Are those people employed in terms of productive economy because they're making bombs uh, and meals ready to eat for the soldiers in Iraq and Afghanistan from the United States? I wouldn't consider those people employed. Uh, so the unemployment rate, the true unemployment rate is probably much higher than the 8 to 9 percent. But it does sound like the Finnish people are opening their minds and hearts and, in a sense, closing their wallets to this massive spending spree called Finnish statism. Uh, do you see much evidence of that in politics, or is it still mostly showing up only in the polls as yet? It's only in the polls, but it was, um, it was an interest, it's an interesting shift anyway, because they, these polls are done uh, quite regularly in Finland and uh, only a few years ago, whenever a similar poll was made, uh, people, the majority always favored raising taxes. But they almost always came out number one. And now that is no longer the case, at least in the last polls that uh, have been conducted. Obviously, 
it, it hasn't, hasn't translated into to anything yet, but uh, hopefully it will. But you, one must also always be, uh, be cautious because I I heard about an interview with an English uh, English voter who voted for the Conservative Party in in the UK uh, general election in in, uh, in May, and he said that he voted for for the Conservatives because they they pledged that they would do something about the debt, that they would they would reduce the debt, and he wanted that. However, if those debt-reducing measures would uh, lead to him losing out on any of his uh, his uh, governed benefits, he would not be able to vote for the Conservatives in the next election. So. Sure. Uh, sure. It's tragic, you know, and it, it takes a government-run educational system to produce people capable of that kind of insane double thing. So, in a sense, the um, the governments who are now complaining about the irrationality of the voters, of course, only have themselves and their own policies to blame. But that is really, really quite an amazing thing. Now, I'm trying to keep my videos relatively short. Is there anything that you'd like to add or any contact information if people have more questions or, or comments? I will put a link to your excellent article. And I did just check uh, here. Finished data as a percentage of GDP is around 44%, which is not bad. Uh, it's not catastrophic. Uh, it's not great, but of course it is continuing uh, to, to increase. But um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap it up? Yeah, well, you uh, bring up uh, actually the most central point of my whole article. I have to admit obviously that considering what I was trying to raise, the issue I was trying to raise with my article and the response I got from mainly from Finnish people, but also also the positive response I, I failed because I mean, those who, who liked the article liked it because there was someone poking holes in this um, uh, utopia in, in Northern Europe, so they they were they thought that was good, and then uh, those who criticized me they always uh, they always came up with the same standard argument saying that the UK or the US have much worse finances than than, than Finland, and that that may or may not be true. Actually, but obviously the U.S. is in worse, worse shape. But that, that doesn't make any difference. What I wanted to, to point out is that even during the good years, we had, we had, we had a really tough economic crisis in the mid-90s. Uh, unemployment, I think, even rose to 20% for a brief, a brief time. And that is when our, our debt really spiked last time. And, but once we move past the crisis, or at least uh, that is what what people thought we had done, we had a 15-year, about a 15-year long period of steady economic growth. We call the boom years. We could have annual growth of several percent, uh, percentage points. However, during that time, oh, supposedly economic growth, uh, economic boom, we didn't really pay off the debt in any way. We could have we could have done it, but we didn't. And now we hit one or two bad years, and it, it looks like it's going to increase with 50%. Uh, sometimes you even get lost in the numbers. Sometimes uh, when you look when you look at, at various uh, various sources, you have it at 50, 50 uh, billion when when the crisis hit. Others have it at 60. And now now it's supposedly at 70 already, with uh, projected debt being 85 at the end of, of fiscal year 2010. And all of those who, who, who criticize the article are all are the same people who, who really like the welfare state. They want, to, they want to preserve it. They think it's a good thing. And yeah, maybe it is, maybe it's not. I don't think it's particularly good. But that is no longer 
irrelevant. It's not an ideological question anymore whether the welfare state is good or bad. It's a purely economical. We can't afford it. Not only does it cost too much in terms of actual money, how much the government has to spend, it has all these other costs, such as distortions in the job market, making Finland less competitive, even though some some say we are, but we are not. The cost of employing people is unbelievable. It's it's prohibitive even. And we have all these other related costs which show up more indirectly that make, makes the investment in Finland uh, very risky. Even our own companies, you know, we, we previously had a very strong paper industry, paper mill industry, we, we have lots of forests there, but even even they are running down their factories and, and, and paper mills are moving them abroad, and not, not always to, to low-wage countries, but to, to the US even, or to Scotland or to Germany. If you want to preserve Finland as a good place to live in, you have to start addressing uh, these economic economic problems because what we have created since uh, Finland became independent in late 1917, that we have we have had a welfare state from the get-go. That's the only, only thing we know. And for every generation, we have become more dependent on the state. So what happens to all those people, which will virtually be the entire population, when when uh, the Finnish welfare state actually goes bankrupt, which it will if we don't do anything about it. So, I mean, even from a humanitarian point of view, we have to start worrying about these very real economic problems. And I would hope that those who strongly advocate the welfare state uh, for all all the right reasons, that they would start to take these uh, these economic problems seriously and not just point out to countries who have it worse. It doesn't matter. I mean, if you're one billion in debt, you are better off than a person who is two billion in debt. But you're still one billion in debt. You are in serious problem. Right. Yeah, I don't think I've, any, I've ever had any luck writing to Visa and saying, yeah, okay, I owe you a thousand dollars, but my neighbor owes you two thousand, so I don't need to pay you. I mean, just, it doesn't work on a micro level. It doesn't work on a macro level. So I certainly hope that people will begin to, uh, to look at it. I generally just, I have a little card of, of U.S. debts and, and the expenses of various departments, and I just hand it to people and say, okay, well, what would you cut? You know, the reality is stuff has to be cut. Uh, so, so what would you cut? And if they can't answer the question, they have no right participating in any kind of civil discourse about the realities of the situation because they're just living in a, a cloud-based fantasy land where they just can't even process basic realities like number crunching and, you know, this number is bigger than this number. It needs to come down to less than this number, so what are you going to cut? But, of course, the media never asks that of the politicians and a few people who are libertarian or minarchists or anarchists will ask that of people they're having political debates with. But I think it's very important. Like, as you say, forget even if you don't think the ideology is important, the fiscal reality is stuff has to be cut. So what are you going to cut to save your precious system? And people don't want to make those decisions, so it's not flowing up to the politicians as yet. But uh, that's, uh, that time is certainly coming. Well, listen, Kai, I really do appreciate you taking the time. I, I thank you. I know it was a bit of a struggle for us to coordinate our schedules and <laughs> Internet connectivity, but I'm certainly glad that you took the time to write the article. Um, I sympathize with the criticism. Sometimes bringing the harsh light of reality to people's fantasies can be uh, can provoke a little bit of aggression on other people's. But, you know, it's still our job as thinkers to do that, whether people like it or not. So I appreciate you taking the time to write the article. And thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. Thank you very much. Bye bye.